You're listening to the Social Spectrum Podcast with Gina Galliotto. Here we prove that success on social media and in entrepreneurship is not one size fits all and discuss thriving online through the lens of different personality types, lifestyles, and neurodiversity. Success lives on a spectrum, so your impossible search for the one right way to grow your online business ends here. On the Social Spectrum Podcast, we'll unfold your right way instead. Let's dive in. So today we are talking about a tale as old as time for entrepreneurs, and that is when we are taking care of our business, we tend not to be taking care of ourselves and our health, both physical and mental. And I feel like as female entrepreneurs specifically, this is particularly important to talk about because there's like so much going on in our bodies at any given moment. And I'm starting to learn more and more about that because of social media. And all of that impacts our energy and our motivation and our creativity and just the way we run our business day to day. And then also how we thrive in our personal lives, of course, when we're speaking of health. So I think, at least for me, when it comes to getting the proper attention for these symptoms that we experience a lot, we're not really feeling seen in the traditional healthcare system. There's plenty of studies to show that women in specific are just less heard, less taken seriously when it comes to healthcare. And at least for me, that's a huge reason why I keep putting off making my doctor's appointments that I absolutely know I need to make. But in 2024, we are getting healthy besties and traditional healthcare isn't the absolutely only way to address your symptoms. And so Because of this, because we're becoming the higher versions of ourselves in 2024 and getting healthy, I'm so excited that we have Rachel with us today to help us do just that. So Rachel is a functional nutrition practitioner, and she helps women focus on the actual root causes of their health symptoms to basically avoid being gaslit by the healthcare system like we talked about. So hi, Rachel. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. I feel like it's been like a long time coming. We've been mutuals for a long time just for context for people listening. And we also had to prolong getting on this meeting. So we're just like anxious to get on here and get this conversation started. But before we do fully get into it, for those who don't know you as well as I do, Rachel, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and about your story and how you wound up in this field? Yeah. So like you mentioned, I'm a holistic nutrition practitioner, functional nutrition practitioner, and it was a long time coming to get here. I definitely spent the last decade of my life being gaslit by the healthcare system. I think that in my early 20s, it was just really rough out here. And I had so many different issues come up and things that were not really talked about and things that most of my doctors I went to had absolutely no idea what was going on, really. And so many times that I was just sent home, oh, just, yeah, you just have this, you just have that, just take this medication. Oh, have you ever thought that maybe you're just really anxious? Like, maybe you should get on a anxiety medication. <laughs> of <laughs> like, course, you, you just, yeah. I, I, <laughs> That's I, always I went the multiple, solution for them. Exactly. I went multiple times for certain symptoms and walked out with them giving me a Xanax prescription. It is absolutely insane. And it's stuff I never even took. I was like, okay, bye. But it wasn't until I really got into the functional holistic field that I learned root cause healing and preventative care. So then I was like, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I've been in the healthcare field for years. I started as a personal trainer and then I, it cycled into more of the holistic space because that is its own, that is its own thing. Mm -hmm. But 
yeah, I, I just really wanted to focus on the root cause. And I know so many other women are dealing with the same exact things that I went through. And I could see this time and time again with my clients. It's all just happening over and over that we're all just not getting the proper care that we need. And women are so different than men in that aspect of really what's going on with our health and our hormones. And we have things that need to be addressed and there's ways to fix it, but it's just not the right way in the in Western medicine with everything. So that really just got me to deep dive into this whole field. Yeah. That, and <laughs> that's so inspiring. This reminds me why I love doing guest episodes. I haven't done one in so long, but hearing like every time it's always about someone who they're struggling with their own problems and struggles. And then they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to find my own solution. And then they get to help others do it along the way too, which is always just so cool. So before we kind of like dive into the health questions further, I would love to know kind of how you differentiate the holistic healthcare versus traditional healthcare, just in case people who are listening don't know or like have it twisted. (laughs) Totally. I do think that there are some stigmas on the holistic healthcare. Have you have you ever heard of the term crunchy? I don't know if that you've ever no. heard that. Okay. That's like a that's like a term that's used. I see it sometimes. I feel like I am on crunchy like TikTok because <laughs> I kind of act like that. But it's like the term where let's say like moms are not giving their kids candy or like on Halloween they're swapping their kids candy with something healthier. And so some people think that that's how the whole holistic space is. Like you're not ever allowed to have candy or you're not allowed to have chocolate or you're not allowed to have anything. But really what the, what the real, um, this is funny because if you just look up crunchy after this, you have to see it. Is it like almond mom vibes? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. And that's really not how the space is as a whole. But again, there's always the nuance of any space. So Really how I would explain it is that the holistic space is focused on preventative care and focused on root cause healing of whatever issues you have going on and and getting to the root cause of inflammation and chronic issues, chronic conditions. And then Western medicine, I would say, is more for emergency care. I definitely think it's life-saving when needed. Obviously, if I break my foot, I'm going to go to the emergency room. I would hope that they could do their job to fix it. But if (laughs) I am dealing with irregular periods, that wouldn't be my first place to go. So they're really more focused on how disease management, how can we fix your said problem with this pill that we have? And that's what they're trained to do. So they do their job well in terms of managing disease. But if you want to not be in a state of disease, holistic healthcare is definitely where you'd want to kind of hang out and maintain your health. Yeah, no, that fully makes sense in my mind. But I just see the craziest stuff like in the comment section, sometimes of social media, like, I'll see the word holistic in a post. And then the comment section will be like, you can't live forever without medicine. And they're like, that's literally not what it means. Right. So thank you for that clarification, just in case anyone needed it. Totally. So and I want to add to that too, just to say, medicine like sometimes is totally needed. So Mm -hmm. thank God for Western medicine for that fact. Sometimes we need antibiotics. Sometimes we need medication, but the vast majority of people don't. Right. I completely agree. It's like for me in my mind, it's a lot more about like masking whatever is going on than like actually, like you said, getting to the root problem, which is fortunately, I feel like a lot of people are waking up a little bit more to trying to get do that instead, which is absolutely amazing. So I do think, I think the first thing I'm curious to ask you is, you know, throughout your time working with clients, what's something that you find a lot of them come to you like underestimating essentially when it comes to their health? 
I honestly feel like people underestimate two things. And one is the power that your stress does have on your life. And I hate I hate to say this because it's not like we're ever going to avoid stress. So I like to be realistic about it. Stress is inevitable. And stress is a good thing in a way. But when we're over consumed with stress and living in chronic stress, fight or flight, that can be the number one that can be one of the number one things that leads you into chronic health conditions and chronic health issues. So the power of stress and being able to find safety in your body is, I would say, number one. That's probably the main first thing I focus on with my clients because everyone is so stressed out in 2023. Um, (laughs) You don't have to tell me twice. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure you know, and as I feel like as female business owners and business owners in general, trying to have a business, like it is not easy work and, and it's not easy. It's just not, it's not easy. But even women that are working in the traditional nine to five space, that's not easy either. Or women that are stay at home moms, that's not easy either. Everyone is dealing with their own sense of difficult things in life. So being able to um, find some stress resilience is like number one, I think people underestimate and then people underestimate the power of real food. I'm really like, I will say the stress aspect of it, like I finally realized that I finally had that light bulb moment, like after my prefrontal cortex (laughs) developed essentially. Um, And like stress management has been a lifelong, you know, battle for me as it is for a lot of people. And same though, which like I find surprising more is the whole foods part, like because it is a mental health game. If you think about it, like I, I, my habit building skills is like a mental health thing. And for me, I feel like that bleeds into the whole foods thing. And so again, like kind of like you're saying, people just don't realize the mental health aspect. So I'm not surprised people come to you and are like, probably listing off all these other reasons they think it is. And then you're like, "Um, so how's your stress? (laughs) Yeah. So because I'm so guilty of that 100%. Yeah. And I hate to be that person too. That's like, how's your stress? Because when you go to the doctors and you say, I feel like crap. They're like, you're stressed mm, out. Yeah. And so I, I like to give yeah. realistic ways to actually like, let's do something about it because you're not just going to magically poof and like snap your finger and you're never stressed again. That's not real. Like, let's make it realistic. But stress, stress is a big one. Mm-hmm. I do not doubt that. So is there that being said, then, is there anything that like you've seen maybe in yourself or in your clients where these kind of stress symptoms manifest into specific symptoms, like specifically that are related to stress? Totally. I'll talk about myself first. I definitely was living in fight or flight for so long that I didn't even notice. And kind of like what you said, when the prefrontal cortex happens, <laughs> yeah. the, when everything comes to light, when you hit 25, yeah. something something really changes there. And I kind of had to, I've been slowly coming out of all of the years that I was just masking the traumas or emotions and things that I've been holding in. And so for the last few years, three years for me, I've just been coming out of that. And within like in my early 20s is when kind of my conditions and health issues really started. So it really does link the two together because when you have a really anxious and hyper aroused person, somebody that's in the fight or flight and someone that's chronically stressed, but they don't even know it because they're covering it up with maybe alcohol or, you know, in your early 20s, you go drink and you go do whatever. These things are numbing to a sense. So you don't even notice. And then once that all wears down and we have that cortisol come down, we're not as stressed, we start to feel it. So Mm. yeah, I noticed that stress definitely was one of my main stress and fight or flight definitely was one of my main reasons that a lot of my health issues started. And then I had to really find that nervous system regulation to bring everything back 
down to life. And that's how I was able to reverse these things and get things back into balance because you have to manage the stress. Yeah. So when you say managing these things, what kind of symptoms would were you experiencing before you started like getting your cortisol and your stress and things like that under control? Yeah. Some symptoms for me, I was diagnosed with PCOS. I had irregular periods that were coming every four months. And if you don't know that, if you don't know this, know that that is not normal. We do not want to have periods that come super late. Even if doctors will say, oh yeah, whatever. Some I had a doctor tell me once, oh, that's good. I'm sure you don't like getting your period anyway. <laughs> what the heck are you talking about? So I've heard the craziest things because she's like, oh, cool. For every four yeah. months, that sounds great. No, that's not good. <laughs> we need to be bleeding every month. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's many people with irregular periods, but that was one of my things. I had really terrible anxiety. I had panic attacks for the last for like 14 years of my life, I had really bad anxiety and panic attacks and they were happening pretty regularly. That is another thing that was a huge symptom, which again, I think more and more people are talking about their anxiety now, which is great, but we have to still kind of get to where is this coming from? Because it doesn't just come on for no reason. And that's why some people don't have anxiety and kind of like, what are we what is the missing component for us? How can we get safety in our body? And it's really about getting out of that life or death state of mind. I know that sounds crazy, but the fight or flight is life or death. Like fight or flight. Oh no, I believe it. Like that is life or death. Like that is for situations when a car is coming at you and you need to swerve out the way. That's when we should be in our fight or flight. Oh my God, I got to get out of here. But in regular day to day, when we're just working and hanging out and being at home, whatever it is, we shouldn't be in the life or death state of mind 24 seven. So getting out of that anxiety, irregular periods, what else? Oh, really bad fatigue, low energy. Oh my gosh. I would wake up. I would snooze my alarm like 20 times. Literally, it would come on every three minutes. I would snooze it and I would still be debilitatingly exhausted even after sleeping eight hours. So relatable. Like most of that is super, super relatable. And I know like it's so funny when you said the – you said the sentence like that's why some people don't have anxiety. Like a part of my brain literally like – that sentence feels fake to me. Like it feels like you just said like magic is real. Like right. for me, I can't even imagine someone not yeah. having anxiety. And so it it is like at least gives like hope, you know, like a light totally. at the end of the tunnel kind of thing that it is more manageable than like it might feel right now. Yeah. I was when I was in the peak of my terrible anxiety, when someone would tell me like anxiety is not normal, I was like, you're crazy. Like you have no idea what this is like. And now that I have been able to not have anxiety really on a day-to-day basis. I'm like, oh my God, there is another side. I never thought it was possible. Yeah. That is that's super inspiring because I'm like this year I really do wanna I feel like I've grown so much in my mental health journey, but I am starting to realize like growth isn't like there's no end goal. You know what I mean? And so like as I've started improving my mental health and my business and stuff like that, like now my physical health is starting to suffer. So I'm just like really trying to find balance in the next year and get all of it under control. Um, And so speaking- Yeah, it's like I all my in the past few years, my vision boards have all been like business, business, business goals. And this year I'm like, I need to have a little bit of everything <laughs> because this is craziness. But I'm excited for it. But I do know I'm gonna need like really strong I like I said before, I've always really struggled with habit building. And I know that's something I'm gonna need like on my side when it comes to this. So what yes. are some like simple things that you feel like as a busy entrepreneur help you to build you know, and prioritize healthy daily or weekly habits? Yeah. So with habit building, something that works for me, because to build a habit, you have to be consistently repeating it 
over and over. So if we're not even repeating it, obviously we can't build the habit just like every other habit we have, like brushing our teeth. We built that habit a long time ago and it's not a, we just do it. So how can we make it so we just do something? I schedule my workouts on my calendar, like where I schedule everything else. I literally schedule it out so that I know at six o'clock or whatever time I do it, 6 a.m. or 6 p.m., whatever, that is when I'm working out. I blocked it off. There's nothing scheduled at that time. I have no reason not to do it. Then I just literally go through the motion of like, I get dressed and I go do it. It's a little simpler for me because I have a gym in my garage. So I can just kind of walk out there. Sometimes I just go out there looking crazy. But (laughs) I do think it's even more motivating, in my personal opinion, when you're trying to build habits to leave your house. I personally think if you're trying to build a habit of going to the gym, for example, getting that gym membership that you're paying for once a month and scheduling a time that you're going to go, whether it's a class or something, just to get there and go, that's that's the most important building block of building that habit because getting out of your house, like you already drove there. What are you going to do? Just like sit in your car? Like, no, you're going to go in. <laughs> you're paying for it. You're you're a little more motivated to do it. So I think in the beginning aspect, like commit to something, whether that's a class, a trainer at your gym, something that you are paying for and committed to. I honestly think that's the best part in building the habit. And then once you have the habit, you can do it on your own. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. That kind of like helped me connect dots a little bit. Cause like in my business, I utilize something called like the, uh, what's it, what does she call it? The five second rule. I actually just talked about this in my last episode, but she essentially, you know, she's talking about once you're already in motion, like you're way less likely to stop. Whereas if you're just like sitting there thinking about it, then you're going to talk yourself out of it. And so like I apply that in my business a lot, but I don't know why I don't apply like scheduled monotasking sessions almost like I do for my business for a workout or like for cooking like healthy meals or something like that. And then apply the five second rule. Like, cause we do have a um, little gym in our garage too, but we also have a fitness center that I could drive to like in our neighborhood that I feel like would do the trick, you know, I'm like getting me that kind of, I have an appointment with the gym kind of feeling. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Like, and as crazy as it sounds, like it works. And if you just Mm -hmm. say like, I have an, I have a schedule and I have to be there. Like I'm meeting someone there, whatever I have to go. And if you just get dressed and go, you will do something about it. But if you sit at home and, and I, I'm guilty of this. I've done this in my life where I'm just like, uh, I don't feel like it. And then I'm just like, I won't do it. And I'll just sit there and do nothing and whatever. But I really think scheduling a time on your calendar as a busy person is really important, fitting it in where it fits in because we all can fit in at least a little bit. And I think this is something I, I explain to my clients too. I have clients that have a bunch of kids, like our lawyers, like work crazy hours and their time is is pretty short on, in where we can fit it in. So it's like sometimes you have to sacrifice that morning time. Sometimes you're going to have to get up earlier and you're going to have to set set aside 30 minutes. Like it's it's possible, but we have to fit it in where it fits in. We can't expect our life to just magically have a free schedule to work out all day, every day. That's not realistic. It's never happening. Yeah, it's never going to happen unless you work at a gym or you're like a fitness influencer and you get <laughs> yeah. to make money at the gym. Like mm-hmm. that's amazing, but that is not most people's reality. Yeah. And it's as we're talking through this, my brain is like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And then I know like there's those low energy days where I'm like, again, it's it's going to be about that long-term habit of having it, having it always scheduled. So it feels like non-negotiable, but kind of along those lines, I think we actually originally connected about the fact that we are kind of low energy people <laughs> and, yeah. and the fact that there's multiple ways to tackle things. It doesn't have to just be like neurotypical all the time. And I do know that like a lot of my listeners tend to identify to some level with 
neurodivergence or just like thinking differently, whether it's ADD, OCD, ASD, whatever it is. So I am just curious, like if you know of anything, is there anything that like neurodivergent people may need to consider or prioritize more than neurotypical people when it comes to their health? I feel like I consider myself also neurodivergent and as well. And for me, the scheduling aspect is important, but also I know that that can really throw people off when you have a list of things to do. It can feel very overwhelming to the point where you don't want to do anything at all. And so I think what has worked for me and what has worked for my clients that also identify is just habit stacking. And I know that that's like a term that can be used differently. Some people do like multiple things at once. For me, that is not the case. I have to get one thing fully completed before I move on to the next task. So I cannot be I cannot be making dinner and doing something else. Otherwise, it's going to be everything's going to be half assed done. <laughs> right. So I I just I habit stack on what's like what's next after I make dinner. What do I do after? What's my next thing? Or after I eat breakfast, then I take my supplements. I just stack the healthy things on top of each other. And I I really do utilize my calendar. That's just me. I have to see it in writing or it's not real. Like if it's not on my calendar, it's it's not happening. It's somewhere in the universe out there, but not in my brain. Yeah. I have to see it. I have to see it, look at my calendar and see like, this is what's happening tonight. Yeah. So now that you've learned kind of like what habits and routines work for you, what what is like your favorite routine or the most important routine that you would say that you have? Oh my gosh, I have so many routines. I'm a very routine gal. I'm a very routine person. That's just how I aspire I, to be that one day. <laughs> it's it can be a blessing and a curse. Okay. Oh, I'm because sure. when yeah. when I yeah, when I'm in situations where I'm out of routine, it used to make me really anxious and really depressed, actually. So what I feel like my most important routine is the most important that I think anybody can add into their day, if you're able to, is walking every single day. And this is the most underrated under like, it's so important to walk. And especially if you're able to, if you are able to walk, get walking. This is not only going to support your digestion and support your mental health and give you endorphins naturally because it just happens, but it's also going to get you motivated to want to be active in other ways. And it's going to make you want to on the weekends, maybe go on a hike or do something active or go to the gym or whatever it is, take a workout class, but just walking, simply walking. Like going on a walk, trying to get enough steps every single day. I think that that is very, very crucial to my routine. Like I must do it every day unless I'm like on my period and that then nothing's happening. Yeah. Unless you're giving yourself grace. Yeah. But I love that answer. It's like, I love the answer because it's so doable. Like it's so achievable even, and especially (laughs) because I mean, for those of us who really struggle to build habits, like even if you like don't set a time limit, you don't set a distance, like you just, even if you walk for just a few minutes, like again, it's more about building that habit of starting the walk and eventually you're going to walk for longer and longer every time. And I know, I mean, it's been a while now, but a year, year and a half ago, my husband and I started taking daily walks like when the weather is appropriate. And it did change a lot for my mental health, especially as someone who works from home. And I know a lot of people who are listening work from home. Like sometimes you can stay in the house for like a week yeah. and not see the sun if you let yourself. So yes, I totally, yeah, I, I love that answer. That's- yeah. When you work at home or you sit at a desk all day, mm-hmm. you are not moving enough. That's just the reality. And even if you're very committed and love what you're doing and focusing on work and you love your job, you can't give work more attention than you give yourself. And like, obviously we do give work more attention. 
like we work a lot of hours, but you have to do something for you in the day. And I think if you're going to do at least one self-care thing, walking, let walking be it. If you can, if weather's appropriate, get outside. If not, walk around your house. That is still walking. Walk around where you live. If you have, some people get those little standing desks to in the little yes. walking treadmill. I've been thinking about that. <laughs> I think that's a great idea for, especially when now that the weather's getting, you know, I don't, it depends mm-hmm. where you live, but rainy, cold and snowy some places, investing in one of those little treadmills. I mean, mm-hmm. you could walk while you check emails. Kind of cool. Yeah. And you know what? Like I need to just pull the trigger on one of those because I feel like it's been self-doubt that has stopped me. Like I keep telling my husband, like, I want to get it, but I'm afraid it's going to be one of those things I just like put in the corner and it just takes up space in my office. But it's like, I'm never like, if I have that mentality, I'm never going to start because I don't have it. So exactly. It's it is worth pulling the trigger, especially now that our walks are a little bit more like ingrained in me, and I feel like I need them more. My husband's already like seasonal depression is so real. I'm like, I know it so is. I could feel the difference with this gloomy, rainy weather. I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. you have to really, yeah. When the time switches, oh, that really gets us. It's so bad. (laughs) It's so bad. My cats are waking me up at like 4 a.m. screaming at me. Like it is so (laughs) terrible. I'm falling asleep at like <laughs> That's how eight. my dog is. It's so bad. But I think you would love the little treadmill thing at home because you don't have to go like you can literally just go at your own pace. You can do it while you're you have so much like I know you do so many emails and like mm-hmm. stuff where you're on your computer. Like I think you would love it. I actually think that it would be like something you would do. I think I should. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I actually I wonder if you've seen this. I've seen a girl doing cozy cardio on TikTok. Have you seen that? I haven't. That sounds really cute though. <laughs> it's, she like makes her environment like a vibe and she just like sets up her uh, walking treadmill and like just romanticizes it basically. Yes. So that's another thing, Gina, that you, that you just said that is so important. And I tell my clients, like you need to romanticize your routine. You need to become obsessed with it. And at first you're not going to be because it's foreign to you. And you're like, I don't want to do this. Then when you start doing it and you're like, I love this. This makes me feel so good. I love how this improves my mental health or I love how this improves my whatever, my physical health. And you become obsessed with it. Like you, you will go all the way in on it, but you have to love it. You have to make it in an, an environment, like you said, that is like lovable, like make it cozy, make it comfy, get a cute workout outfit. If that's something that motivates you, everyone's mm-hmm. motivated by different things. Some people love mm-hmm. to get the cute little sets. Cool. Do you do whatever exactly. is going to make you romanticize the whole the whole process. Yeah, it really is a huge part of it. Like whenever because I've fallen into phases where I am, you know, more in love with my with my routine and I am a lot more consistent and like life does just feel so different like every every aspect of it. And it it just takes the tiniest thing sometimes to derail me, but every time I get back into a routine like it lasts longer. So like I know I'm learning stuff along the way and I like my mentality has shifted around that stuff, you know, in your 20s it's more like for losing weight and like stuff like that. And now I'm a lot more health focused. Yes. So your early twenties is all just about weight loss and how can I look like this? And that unfortunately. is, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the can, what did they say on TikTok? The canon event. Oh yeah. Um, canon event. Totally. <laughs> that's a canon event. It, it's just going to happen. But you know what, when you get out of that and you just focus on health, it is so much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've already like experienced glimpses of that. So I'm, I'm sure it is. And this is like kind of off topic, but <laughs> it popped into my head. Veering back to the um, like how I said some like I'm worried I'll put the walking treadmill in the corner. Something else I'm guilty of that like has kind of made me hesitant too is buying all of these random health products 
and then like either never using them or I use them and I get some weird new symptom because like they're not even actually good for you. (laughs) So I am super curious, like what is a health product that you swear by or you just couldn't live without and you know that it's doing good things for you? Okay. I have a few, but if I had to pick my number one that I honestly think pretty much everyone could benefit from, again, it really depends where your gut health is at, but for the most part, everyone can benefit from is the little tinctures. So they're the little things that you squeeze and drop into your water. Okay. And I've seen those. Digestive yeah. bitters. Okay. I, what does that do? I literally carry this in my purse. I bring it <laughs> everywhere. I will use it in public. I will use it anywhere. And what it does is it really helps. You take it right before a meal and it's just herbs in there. It's literally natural. And it helps um, your body facilitate digestion. So when you eat, especially if you're having a heavy meal, a heavy carb meal or sugary meal or just something a little more carb dense, you know, it really helps facilitate digestion and helps you avoid any possible, you know, like heartburn or indigestion or things like that. And it just helps you digest your food so much better. And I swear by it, it has changed my life. Hmm. And I literally I carry it in my purse. A great one is by Organic Olivia. I don't know if you've seen her. I don't think so. Maybe oh if God, I saw she, like a picture. She's amazing. She's an herbal, a clinical herbalist and she mm-hmm. makes tinctures literally for a living and she's just amazing. But she makes this one called Glucobitters and it's a great one to avoid blood sugar spikes. So a lot of people deal with blood sugar highs and lows just from eating, you know, carby meals or just, you know, maybe they have insulin resistance from PCOS or many different things, but it helps you avoid getting that super spike so you can have balanced blood sugar and still enjoy carbs and sugar and stuff here and there. Yeah. Is it so you bringing that up just makes me wonder cuz I'm one of those people who like <laughs> I've always just assumed that something I have is like weird blood sugar spikes and things like that, but I don't actually know. So like what would you say some of the symptoms are for someone who might be insulin resistant or like have blood sugar kind of imbalances? Okay. So some symptoms would be if you go long periods of time without eating, like I'm talking like maybe five, six hours, you get really bad mood swings or you get really, really hungry or you get really, really low energy to the point where you kind of feel like you could either go to sleep or potentially get dizzy to where you feel like you're going to like pass out. Or if you eat right after you eat, you get into that serious food coma where you feel like you have to go to sleep right after or a lot of mood stuff, really irritability, really bad fatigue. It depends if you have really high or low, but when you're fluctuating, it kind of goes in and out of those symptoms, like really bad hunger, really bad mood swings, low energy, dizziness, thirst, things like that. That So, and most people, (laughs) most people have blood sugar issues and Mm -hmm. it could even be simply because of the order in which you're eating. So this is something really important that you could bring into your life that anybody can do is like, let's say you have a plate of like potatoes and chicken and a vegetable, whatever. Instead of going straight for the rice first, which we tend to naturally want to do because it's the most enjoyable part um, and something we like want. It's something we yeah. crave more than the yeah. protein sometimes. Go mm-hmm. for the protein first, do your protein, go around to the veggie and then go to your carb. This is going to help with your insulin and it's going to help you not have a super high spike of blood sugar. So the order in which you eat also in the mornings, I talk about this all the time to not have coffee on an empty stomach. I know you've seen me talk about this. I talk I about this all the time. Um, I think of you like every morning when I'm having coffee on an empty stomach. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's I understand because people are going for the coffee, not just for energy, but also for a dopamine and like serotonin hit. It's One, like enjoyable. Yes. It's mm-hmm. for the happy 
chemicals to boost mm-hmm. in the brain. But what it does is that for sure is a blood sugar spike and it's a cortisol spike. So it leaves you to be more stressed out in your morning than you need to be. We already deal with stress anyways. And then it it also makes you crave you know sugar and it makes you crave things a little more throughout the day. So you could still have your coffee. You could still drink it. But if you could start on at least some protein first, it will really help your mood, your energy and your cortisol from going up and down and your blood sugar. <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't want these things just spiking and dropping because it makes us feel terrible. And then by 1 p.m. we're like, okay, I'm exhausted. I need to go to bed. And we don't want to have that major energy drop at 1 p.m. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel like I need to put a sticky note now on my coffee machine that's like, eat first. <laughs> because After food. You like talk, you know, saying it all out loud. I'm like, why don't I like, why am I acting like it's so hard to eat like something before I have my coffee? Yeah. It's just because a lot of the times in the morning, like food is not, doesn't sound good all the time. Like it doesn't always sound good to have a 20 gram of protein meal at 7 or 8 a.m. Like I, it really doesn't always sound good, but I promise you every one of my clients that was like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm going to have my coffee. (laughs) They ended up switching it and they were like, why didn't I do this sooner? I'm sure. I'm like, I don't know, girl, but it's all on your own timing. When you're ready, you'll do it. But I promise you it will change your life. Mm -hmm. So what would be I know you've actually given some examples on your Instagram. And by the way, I love following your content. Like I never follow any other health people because they're not as relatable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I love following yours and it's so tangible. Like you've shown some like protein breakfast options before. What's your favorite high protein breakfast to have that's easy? First of all, I'm so happy that you like to follow me. Awesome. (laughs) I I know that I know following health accounts can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes. So I never want people to be overwhelmed by my content. And sometimes the topics are overwhelming, but I try to keep it as simple as possible so people can just feel better. But my favorite high protein breakfast right now, my fixation, and a lot of people are not going to like this one. Okay. A lot of people don't like this. (laughs) I like cottage cheese. I'm going to say that. A lot (laughs) of people don't. I can't. A lot of people don't. It's the texture. I get it. But listen, Mm -hmm. take your cottage cheese and mash it up. Mash it up. Change the texture. Change the texture a little bit. The texture is definitely strange, but I've been eating cottage cheese forever. I do cottage cheese, hard boiled eggs, but hard boiled eggs where they're not perfectly firm. Like they're Mm -hmm. a little yolky. Yeah. A little soft. (laughs) And then cut them and then have that on top with green onions and salt and pepper. That is like my easy, simple, high protein breakfast where I can get easily 30 grams of protein and call it a freaking morning. And that's like, it doesn't take too long because the cottage cheese is already made. Obviously it's already in a container. The hard boiled eggs, you just need like 10 minutes and that's then you get 30 grams of protein in, in like 12 minutes. So I feel like that is like my ideal first like meal a day. Is 30 grams what you would recommend in the morning? Yes. I would recommend 20 okay. to 30, anywhere from okay. 20 to 30. You're like 30. I'm like, how many cheese sticks is 30? <laughs> okay. So a, one piece of string cheese for reference, if, it, if you're talking about string cheese, mm-hmm. is seven grams. That is not bad. Okay. If you can add that That's in That's what I tend like, to grab in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I do. Sometimes I do string cheese too if I'm out of cottage cheese. Mm-hmm. I don't always have cottage cheese available, you know? So yeah. I would say if you're just trying to do something really easy, do you like hard boiled eggs? I do. Yeah. I okay. don't like peeling them, but I do like eating I know. them. <laughs> I don't like peeling them either. They're it's sometimes they're perfect and sometimes it's like a mess. It's so satisfying when they're perfect. <laughs> yes, I know. And they're just not always perfect, which sucks. But if you could do two hard boiled eggs and a string cheese, great. You're okay. at 20 grams. That feels manageable. That's I'll pre boil them. I yeah. can do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's another easy one? A lot of people like overnight oats. I'm not a huge fan. 
for me because I don't really love the texture of the oats. But if you do that, that can easily be 20 grams of protein. Another one, Greek yogurt. I do like yogurt. <laughs> a little, yeah, the little um, already made containers. I believe they're like 18 grams right there. You can literally just have that if you if you wanted to. I would say add some like fruit and nuts to balance it out a little bit mm-hmm. just for some fats and carbs. But that's like almost 20 grams right there. You can have a yogurt and a string cheese and you're at like 25. So like just making it easy and doable. Yeah. But like and, real food when you can. Mm-hmm. And hearing it makes it like feel more manageable because I know sometimes we'll be scrolling and they'll and we'll see posts that are like, make sure you get this amount of protein. And like for someone who's not super knowledgeable, I guess, about all of it, I'm like, I have no idea what that means. Like what is 30 grams of protein? So hearing you say it makes it so much more tangible. And yeah. actually one trap I fell into for the longest time for breakfast. I don't know how you'll feel about this actually, but I was eating those um, Kodiak cakes because oh, yeah. they're like marketed as like high protein and healthy and stuff like that. And then I realized like, I don't know if these ingredients are necessarily that great. Yeah. <laughs> so Kodiak cakes is not terrible. I wouldn't say it would be my ideal brand for like mm-hmm. everyday breakfast. But if you yeah, had it exactly. sometimes, yeah, if you had it sometimes, it's like, okay. But if this is like your everyday, I would probably not do it. And again, that's kind of along the lines, even with protein powders in general. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to have some breakfast with that are protein shakes, Okay, that is fine. I'd rather you have that than nothing. But let's make sure it's like quality protein powder because not all protein is made the same. So something in like the fitness industry markets a lot is like protein this, high protein that. But the ingredients in most of these brands are so unnecessary. There's a lot of inflammatory ingredients because they use them to make the flavor good. So you have to really look into these high brands that you see all over TikTok. I'm sure we've all seen these brands. Like, yeah. I'm not Are there any drop? that come to mind? So you're not <laughs> going to. I'm like, I'm like, Should which I name drop? Should I name drop? Because I'll I name mean, drop at least one. Okay. Please do. I'll na- okay. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to beg me. I will do it. Um, uh, Alani knew. Okay. Okay. Screaming this one from the rooftops. I think I, if I didn't like one brand the most, it would be Alani New. I think because they have such a high budget to market that they have mm. such a high budget that they could formulate their products so much better, and it makes me really mad. Like they literally paid. Kim Kardashian to promote their brand. So that must have been a lot of money. She's not Mm -hmm. cheap. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't change your formula. Like Mm -hmm. you're you're putting money into the marketing, but not into the product. So that really pisses me off because obviously when you see something marketed so much, like you're going to want to buy it. That's how influencing works. That's how like, that's how all these brands are popular in the first place. So I just don't like that brands would put all their money to, first of all, Kim Kardashian promoting protein powder. Like that doesn't even make sense. (laughs) You have I know, to also, like, yeah, right. <laughs> that kind of reminds me too of the the brand Bloom. Yeah, that's Greens. what in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not really great ingredients either. Not nothing too terrible, but also like nothing life changingly good. The only reason this brand is doing so well is because they pay everyone and their mom to promote it. But like, how does it make sense that someone that is not even in the health space is promoting a health product? Like. Because they'll let anybody promote it. They don't care what your niche is or if you're talking about (laughs) shoes. Like you're going to post this. You're going to post your day in the life of your freaking shoe. And you're going to (laughs) post you drinking this greens powder. Like that's just so (laughs) disingenuous to me. And it just shows like we're not they don't even care about that. They just want their brand to do well. So it's like really look into those products that you see when you're scrolling and learn your ingredients. This is a message to everyone. Learn your ingredients because these brands are going to lie to you. They market. They know what they are going to say to sell. When they say weight loss or when they say metabolism boosting, when they say fat burning, when they say all these like 
keywords. They know exactly what they're saying and they know exactly who their target audience is. And it's the young person that doesn't know ingredients or older, doesn't have to be young. But a lot of the times it happens to be the young people in their like 20s that are just like, I want to lose weight. Oh, I saw Alex Earl using it. I want to mm-hmm. use it. No shade to her, but <laughs> she's getting paid a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> she's getting paid lots of money to talk about it. So don't trust everything you see on social media and yeah. marketing. Yeah. Yes. I like I said, I always used to like fall into that kind of fad type of stuff. And it also took me like to start actually paying attention to symptoms related to food too. It took me a while to start doing that. And then all of a sudden I realized like I am ex- definitely allergic to soy or and whey, which is like yeah. what all of the proteins are made out of. So I was like, okay, this is probably why I feel like crap all the time because all of these bars that I'm eating have yes. soy in them and all of yes. these little protein oatmeals have whey in them. And it's just like mm-hmm. all making me feel terrible. Yeah. Soy is like one of the most inflammatory thing for so many people, not for everyone, but a lot of people have a sensitivity to soy, especially because it's such low quality soy in these products and the whey too. It's low quality whey. It's not grass fed whey. So I've had people that have like taken whey protein from a brand that has really low quality ingredients and then bloat, get stomach aches, get whatever digestive problems and then have grass fed whey from like a better brand, like maybe oh, something okay. like Truvani, I believe they have grass fed whey and have no problems. That's interesting because I've always just assumed it was like the, because I think it's a milky, like I'm slightly lactose intolerant. So I've always just assumed yeah. it's like the milk that's in there, but it, I, I didn't even realize that grass fed made a difference. So Oh, yeah. So it's so crazy, like how educated you really have to be to kind of avoid this stuff, like everything that the US allows in their food in the first place. And just the way that the advertising industry is able to twist their marketing to make horrible things for you sound good for you, essentially. Yeah. It's just like Europe bans these ingredients that we have out here. They literally have these ingredients in in personal care and skincare in our food. They ban these ingredients. Why? Because they know they're dangerous. I just saw a post that said the U.S. is banning the ingredients in Skittles, which is great. Mm -hmm. But however, it's not going to be it's not going to take effect until 2027. Okay, I did not know that. <laughs> what are we waiting for? But like, yeah, this is but... no, this is not new to anybody. And the the sad thing is, is like a big brand like Skittles, like or whatever company owns Skittles. I don't know. They're gonna change some things, but they're gonna make. They have to make a way to make it taste as similar as possible. And to do that, they're going to use still poor quality ingredients, but just things that aren't as concerning, like things yeah, that are yet. not being <laughs> now yet, and yeah. things that people don't really know are as bad and other artificial sweeteners. And like, they're going to have to do something to make it taste similar because they're not going to turn it into like a low tox Skittle. Like, you of know, course. it's not going to be, it's, it's just going to take out the concerning things that people are saying now are linked to cancer. And then they're going to say, well, we'll do this instead. Something that is kind of just as bad, but, but nobody's really like focused on this, this ingredient. Yeah. I mean, it's one ingredient of like, what is it? I mean, thousands and thousands that should be banned. Like, I mean, I can't remember how many are banned in Europe versus here, but it is thousands. A lot. It's a lot. And it's, yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. And I feel like it leads to what is particularly frustrating to me is like the stigma online, obviously, where you'll see, you know, a girl with like a supermodel body, you know, having bloom or like her chemical protein cookie and everyone in the comments, it's like nothing but positive comments. But then you'll see like a totally normal bodied woman eating whole foods and going to the gym. And then you'll see negative comments in her section. And you're just like, why and how? It's just absolutely crazy. But I do think that times are just shifting a little bit for the better lately, just 
even though there's negativity on social media, it's also used for so much information and positivity. So it's just so kind of it like always makes me so torn when it comes to this industry in particular and talking about it, especially on social media. So that being said, since you do such a good job of like making everything so relatable and feel realistic, what do you think are some of the more toxic misconceptions that you do see in the fitness industry or in the health industry? I would say, because like I said, I started as a personal trainer and I worked in gyms and I'm still a personal trainer to this day. So I'm not, I, I, I just am now on the holistic side of things, but I think that in the fitness industry, it is completely normalized to track your calories and macros for the rest of your life. And that's fine and not care about what you're eating. But when you start talking about ingredients and limiting your toxin exposure, everyone says that you have disordered eating or that you have just like you have a unhealthy relationship to food because you're cautious about what you eat. But whereas the macro tracking calorie person, they say you could eat whatever you want in moderation as long as it fits these numbers. But, you know, something I want to say on that. I could literally, and I would never, but I could literally eat Taco Bell every single day for the rest of my life and fit my macros. I could fit my macros. I could lose weight eating Mm -hmm. Taco Bell if I planned it out strategically. Mm -hmm. But what would that do to my mental health, my gut health, my physical health? Nothing good. We know that, right? But that's fine. Like that's obviously, that's an exaggerated example, but Mm -hmm. fitting my macros is okay. But reading ingredients and expressing the importance of being lower talks where you can that's where people in the fitness space are like, oh, you have disordered relationship to food. Like you have an eating disorder. And that's not true. It's not the case. And it's not fair to say like one is better than the other. I believe you can track your calories if you want to and still eat quality real foods, or you can not track your calories and still eat quality real foods. You could still meet your health goals, but reading ingredients is like vital. Like you need to know what's in your food. You need to know what you're eating and what's what you're putting in your body because these companies, like I said, they're never going to tell you straight up what they what's in there. You'll see like umbrella terms like natural flavors and like all these fitness products or like in really anything, anything that's in a package, you'll see natural flavors like go to your everyone listening, go to your like pantry and look at something in a package. And if you see natural flavors, that's just the company not not explaining what that means. It's just flavors that were manipulated in a lab, whatever. And we don't know. So it's just <laughs> so normalized. It's so normalized to just not read ingredients and just fit numbers that fit in our yeah. lives. But yeah. Yeah. And to just like, even like you said at the end there to just not know in general, like, yeah, even like when you said that the natural flavors thing, like my brain has always known, okay, that can't mean anything good because it's not very specific, but I don't know what it does mean. Like, I don't know what they are doing. We we all don't know. All it means is that eventually, like at one point it was derived from something natural and then they went through a chemical process to create a flavor and now it's just natural flavor. So like no one knows. No one knows what that means. And they do that on purpose because if it was something they could say, if it was just orange, orange flavor, they would say orange, mm-hmm. <laughs> but natural flavor, what the heck is that? So yeah. I've seen, and I've messaged companies before asking them what na- their natural flavor is in their product. Like I've had many brands try to reach out and work together. And I'm like, what is, what is this? And they will literally say like, oh, we don't know. The manufacturer makes it (laughs) like people don't even know what's in their own brand i've seen this again and again and again i saw this with the founder of i think it was bloom the lady i'm pretty sure it was bloom on an interview and somebody said like what is the most dangerous ingredient and it was something that was literally in her in bloom 
Wow. That's but she didn't insane. even know. She, yeah. And and they're like talking about it, having this conversation, and it's literally was in their in her product. But she didn't mm-hmm. know because she does they don't make the ingredients. Like they're these people that own these companies, they're not the they're not actually in the lab making it okay. for the most part. For the most part. Some great yeah. people are. But mm-hmm. for the most part they're not. They're letting someone else do it and then they just sell it. Yeah. That's insane. It's insane when you really think about it all out loud. Cause like I feel like Sometimes we know to a level, but it's the it's like that blinders effect. Like you're like, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to know about it. I don't want to think about it. It's absolutely crazy. And so I am speaking of kind of crazy things, like I want to know your thoughts about what you feel was like if there was any one particular trend in the diet industry or the fitness industry in particular where you were like, I hate this one the most. Like, cause I know we've been talking about bloom and all of that, all of those trends and things like that. Yeah. Was there anything that you're like, this one sucks? <laughs> like this era sucks. <laughs> so I have two. It's so hard for me to narrow down one thing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, Every time please. it's like, pick your favorite. I'm like, I can't. I'm like, spill the tea, please. <laughs> one of them is definitely, I'm sure this rings no, a lot. like this is no surprise to people. The super low calorie diets to lose weight. Okay. Mm-hmm. I used to work at a gym and the owner who was not a nutritionist, who was not a nutrition professional, he just owned a freaking gym. He would do these challenges with ladies in their 40s and 50s. And he would give them meal plans, all the same meal plan, all the same exact meal plan. And when you add the calories up of what the food was, it was like 1200, 1300 calories. And that is like never enough for any adult to eat ever. But even like if you want to lose weight, whatever. So that was like very triggering to me as someone that used to eat low calorie diets to lose weight. I think that is the absolute worst trend. And I don't know if it's still trending as much, but I do know people do follow very basic meal plans and they do still have low calorie. Like I know older women are following meal plans that are putting them at 1200 calories. I have clients that come to me that are tracking their calories before meeting me and they're showing me their what they've been tracking and it's literally adding up to 1100 a day. Mm-hmm. That is it's, crazy to me. Yeah, I used to it's work so at- bad. I worked at this place called Quick Weight Loss, which if that doesn't tell you enough, oh, like, no. please. <laughs> so glad I That's escaped so that bad. situation. But yeah, the the calories were insane. Like on the norm, it was around 11 to 1200. And then if they like cheated over the weekend, they would get put on this prep phase is what we called it. And it was like, just it was nothing. I, I can't even imagine how many calories it must have yeah. been. I don't know you how cheat they got away with doing that. And then you lose calories on your next day, right? Yeah, yeah. They come in like and they'd crazy. be like, mm-hmm. and they'd put them on a plan where they're like, okay, now you can only eat like a little bit of meat and vegetables for the next, you know, two days yeah. and yes. only water and all that kind of stuff. That's what this meal plan was too. And it was so toxic and it was so sad because these women were coming and working out every day, doing very intense workouts, okay, hit workouts, overexerting their bodies. And eating like a freaking bird. So you can never feel good working out like that seven days a week. And also they were not allowed to have any rest days on this challenge. That's never good. So I would say my pet peeve is never taking rest days. My pet peeve is really low diets. I also have a really big problem with calling meals cheat meals. I absolutely hate that. It makes my skin crawl. It literally makes me cringe. I hate the word cheat meal being referred to as your food, like as if we're in a like marriage with food and it's just very disturbing. Um, like That's cheating on your partner. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> it's so disturbing to me because how are you cheating on your meal? Like, and people use, use this trend, like people use this word a lot over the holidays. Like I cheated on my diet, oh, yeah. but it's like, 
be for real. No, that's not, <laughs> it's not good. It's, it's okay to eat things out of your norm on holidays. And like, it's very normal, but, um, you just, you know, you got to be consistent with your diet and don't consider it like you're in a deep relationship to where you can never go out of your routine with food because then we're, that's, that's an unhealthy relationship to food. When we put ourselves in a box where we cannot eat anything that is not in our day to day. So that's, that's something I really don't like. And there was something else I was going to say before I got on the topic (laughs) of all the crazy things that happen at the gym. Um, but I can't remember. Oh, the gallon of water, the fitness people saying a gallon of water a day. Too much. Way too much one. And water is stripped of nutrients. So when you drink filtered water, which I hope everyone is, do not drink your water from your sink. (laughs) If you're drinking filtered water in the filtration process, it is stripping your minerals. It is also stripping, hopefully, heavy metals as it should. That's what it's supposed to get out of there. And you have to add minerals back in. So when you're drinking a gallon of stripped water, you are essentially dehydrating yourself more because you're just going to pee it out. You're going to notice that you're peeing every 30 minutes to an hour and you are just peeing all this out and you are absorbing nothing. So I'd rather someone drink like 80 ounces of water. That's like two of the big, like I think the Stanley size cups and put minerals back in their water than aim for a gallon a day. Like it is crazy too much water. Yeah. I'm one of those people who I feel like my body betrays me because I never ever feel thirsty. Like I literally pretty much have to, I have to remind myself, my brain has to tell me to drink water. I just don't, I rarely feel it. And so I wonder now if like putting minerals in there would make me crave it more because I would actually feel like a quench whenever I drink water. So what do you mean? Like what, what can I add in there to put the minerals back? So some easy options, like I'm going to go from the easiest to the little more complex. It's not really complex. It's just like actual product versus like mm-hmm. easy Celtic sea salt or Celtic mm-hmm. sea salt. Oh, okay. I, I always, think I might've seen that. I feel like I interchanged how it's pronounced, but I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Celtic and it's just <laughs> in like a little blue bag, but it's a high quality salt. So mm-hmm. minerals are, you know, sodium that is in high quality salt, not table salt. Do not put table, table salt in your water. Okay. <laughs> high quality sea salt that has minerals in it, Celtic sea salt and lemon juice, like squeezing lemon. That actually okay. is supportive. Oh, that's easy. Super easy. That's the easy yeah. route. Then there's like actual mineral drops. Some people do trace minerals. I did not like the trace minerals because it has iodine in it. So some people are sensitive to iodine. So that's not one I would like say is for everyone to start off with. Some people do great with it, but I hated my experience using it. And then there's other ones. There's this one called Adrenal Cocktail, and it has sodium, potassium, and vitamin C, which I love. But it does have a taste that is not amazing because it is salty. But it has, it's just like, that's like for the very depleted person who's not getting enough minerals, which is like a lot of my clients and myself. So um, (laughs) I really couldn't recommend that one more. There's many different ones on the market. Another popular one people use, I think it's called, I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's LMNT. Is it pronounced Limit? I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. Have <laughs> you seen sure. it ever? Okay. Well, I, don't think I so. see a lot of people talk about it. I, I don't know what, what's all's in it. I think it's just sodium and maybe potassium, but obviously read your ingredients because not all minerals are the same. And sometimes these companies will put sugar in it just to make it taste better. But there's that's kind of not necessary if you're just trying to get minerals back in your water to put sugar in your water. Right. So <laughs> just read the ingredients and make sure it's just like sodium, potassium, that's like what people are really depleted on. That's what I see all the time when I do hair tissue mineral analysis on everyone. That's like the most depleted of the minerals. Interesting. Okay. So I didn't even realize that that's like how you would test for that. That's really cool. So I'm assuming like a lot of the clients who come to you, they are kind of past the fad diet stuff. They've kind of tried all of that and are still experiencing their symptoms. So what are like some of the most common symptoms that you've helped your clients tackle? 
I think the most common symptoms I get and that we work on are low energy and fatigue, number one. Mm, That's like everywhere. That's everything. Low libido, missing periods or irregular periods, PCOS. Some people are just not diagnosed with PCOS yet, but have it and meet the criteria. So irregular periods and high testosterone. That's like a way a lot of people get diagnosed. Thyroid issues either hyperthyroid or hypothyroid. I've had some of both or people with autoimmunity, Hashimoto's or Graves disease. Those are just the autoimmunity of the thyroid issues. And some people have resistance to exercise. That's like another thing I see a lot where people will exercise and feel really worse after, like feel Mm. really fatigued. And that's usually a cortisol thing. So we kind of just focus on figuring out what's going on. Yeah. Okay. That actually blows my mind. Yeah. (laughs) Because I I like, I always, my sister or like people in general, honestly, would tell me like, you know, exercise helps with anxiety, but I would always experience kind of the opposite. Like I like thought my heart rate increasing would kind of put me into a little bit of an anxious mode and then I'd get really tired after. And now I'm like, is that a cortisol thing? (laughs) That was me too. I had that same experience and it actually made me really start hating exercising because I hated when my heart would race and then I would go spiral into a panic attack. That could definitely be a cortisol thing. It could also be nervous system response. But something really important if you do experience that is to not have caffeine before your workout. So a lot of people do the pre-workout or coffee before they work out for energy. Don't do that. That is going to spiral you. If you already are tend to be an anxious person, mm-hmm. that's going to spiral you into an anxiety attack because your heart is going to race more when you work out as it should. It should go up when we do cardio or when we weight lift. But if you have caffeine before, it's going to make it so much worse and you're just going to have too much adrenaline. Yeah, I bet. Yep. Of course. It's always yeah. that. That's always the solution. Take <laughs> the caffeine. The coffee. Yeah. Know, it's, it's hard. I know you're caffeine free, right? You don't I do am. caffeine at all. That's so impressive. Yeah. That's amazing. You know what? I, it always gave me such, I, I did try to get into it when I was younger. I tried it. I, I remember once I got a cold brew, which is so crazy because that is such a crazy amount to just go right into. And yeah. <laughs> I felt so bad and I spiraled so bad that time. And I just never did it again. But I I do not feel good when I drink caffeine. It makes me feel really sick. It makes me very anxious. And it makes you have to go to the bathroom like right away, which I hate. Because I'm like, hello. like <laughs> So <I'm> relatable. <laughs> like, I do not like that because I'm like, I'm trying to get stuff done. Like usually when you have coffee, it's because you're like starting your day. I just hate the whole yeah. thing. I do not like it. It's not fun for me. Yeah. So I realized for me with just getting my nervous system regulated and getting rid of these freaking anxiety attacks that I had, I had to stop with the stimulants because stimulants like coffee, like they are giving you more adrenaline and you already have a lot of adrenaline. If you have anxiety, you're already producing too much. So you have to really tone it back at least a little bit and reduce your intake. Yeah. It's interesting because now that we've kind of talked about both and like both the habits part and just the caffeine effects part, I'm like, I wonder if decaf would even like if my brain would even notice that it was decaf. Because for me, it's more of the cozy, warm vibes, like the habit, the taste, all of that. So I bet I could. If you get replace, away with it. yeah, if you replace your coffee with decaf and just to keep up your habit, yeah. you will be totally fine. Obviously, you're going to notice it's a lot less caffeinated, but mm-hmm. honestly, it's going to it, the first like week or two when you when you kind of go through withdrawals, it's not fun. Right. So if you do if you do coffee every day, <laughs> you do go through, through withdrawals. <laughs> it's like a, it's like getting off of a drug. Like it is, you have a withdrawal period. It's like getting off of alcohol, but. After you get through that, you will feel so much better and you'll still get to keep your habit that you love because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like people dr- that drive to Starbucks every single morning, it's not just for their coffee. It's for the like vibe of that morning. Yes. It's for the drive. It's Absolutely. for that feeling that you get when you're on the way there or whatever local coffee, coffee shop you go to. 
or if you make it at home, it's for the the whole vibe that comes with it. Like people like to drive or get in their car and like go get their drink. And it's just, it's more for the serotonin and dopamine than it really is for anything else. Such a good point. Ugh, light bulb moments. <laughs> I'm going to try it. I'm like, I'm going to get on the Nespresso account or page like right after this. Yay. <laughs> so I know that after this conversation, I'm like, okay, yes, I identify with a lot of these symptoms. And so I feel like Hopefully I'm not alone in that. I'm sure some listeners are experiencing at least some of these symptoms. So for those who are listening and who may have been struggling with this, how would they be able to work with you to start tackling some of these issues? Yeah, so I have a couple different ways. My main program is called Restore and Thrive, and it is a full program. This is like for the person that wants to go all the way in, like really wants to tackle functional lab tests and their nutrition, lifestyle exercise, it comes with everything and it's a one-on-one program. So it's really, it really is like step-by-step process. And then this program includes like a GI map. So you get your whole gut microbiome tested, which is great because the gut is where most of our issues stem from. Serotonin's made in the gut. So when we struggle with anxiety, depression, and things like that, a lot of the time it is gut related, which is crazy. And we also test minerals. So we go through there and It's just this whole process of really getting everything back into balance using the concrete data, helping you through lifestyle factors like me and you talked about a bunch today, stress resilience and tackling what we can really add into our lives to achieve that. And I have everything on my Instagram and TikTok to be linked to my website. Perfect. Yeah. And that sounds amazing. Like it's, I I already told you this through DMs before, but 2024, like I definitely have it on my bucket list to be investing in my health. And this program, Restore and Thrive, is like what I have my eye on. Like I can't wait to do it. And I just can't That'd wait. That would be so awesome. It feels like like all of the this is silly. It might just be a me thing, but all of the testing and stuff like that, I just feel like it's gonna be so validating, like to see it and just know that there is some kind of connection to my symptoms and I'm not making shit up, you know? Like Yes. And- no. That is not silly at all, Gina. That is what my (laughs) clients literally are like, I don't care what comes up on this test. I know things are going to be out of whack and I want to see it because I know like my doctors have said everything's good or you just have anxiety or your blood works fine Mm -hmm. or whatever. They've all been told that already. They've all been told everything's all good. They don't know why they feel like crap or like, are you sure you're not just making this up in your head? Like, you know, stress makes you make up symptoms. No, like (laughs) it doesn't make you make up symptoms. So like it is validating and it is so important to see those results, because even if things are off, you know, like, okay, things are off. And that's like why I feel like this and I can fix it. So it is a very validating process. It's not silly at all. That's like, I think people are so excited to see their test results because they're like, great. I like, it's like a sense of relief to know, like, even though 10,000 doctors have told me I'm just, I'm making shit up in my head and I just have anxiety. This is like real concrete data in front of me. Yeah. And it makes it so much more motivating to start addressing it because when you have doubts about it, you're just like, maybe it's not even an issue. Yeah. And yeah, I can imagine it's just so much like it literally sounds so much fun. Yeah. It's <laughs> and just, just evidence-based. It's evidence-based. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't, can't make deny up it. the test results and you can't, you know, we can't yeah. make up what we're going to, what we're going to find. So it's just really cool because blood work can be a little strange sometimes because it does fluctuate and it's based on the moment and blood work doesn't always tell the full story. So it's really nice to kind of look into other forms of testing that give us more information and give us like deeper rooted things that Western medicine doesn't test, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if anyone is like, just like me here sitting all giddy about the potential of it, I am going to link Rachel's resources in the show description for you, as well as her socials so that you can easily find her. 
And Rachel, this has been like, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain for all this time. <laughs> like I've been holding up all these questions as we've been following each other. And now I finally got to ask, which is so amazing. And it's been fun along the way too. So I know thank you. I'm so ex- I'm so happy and I'm so glad we were able to connect. And we've been, like we said, we've been mutuals for a long time. So uh-huh. it's really cool to finally touch base together. Yeah, it's about time. Well, again, thank you. Is there anything else that you want to share with listeners before I let you go? Just advocate for your health, you guys. Advocate for your health, besties. Like Gina says, everyone's besties. You guys, you know, you're not making things up and you deserve to be healthy and happy in your body. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's what I'm like. I love this episode because I feel like the messaging was exactly how I wanted it to come across. Like I wasn't sure exactly how the conversation would unfold, but whenever I posted on my Instagram that I was looking for people in the health space to come on the podcast. So I was like, this, these are the topics that need to be addressed. So yeah, thank you so, so much. Of course. All right, guys. Well, don't forget to give Rachel a follow on socials, which I will link for you below, like I said. And feel free to send either of us a DM letting us know how you liked this episode. And I will chat with you next week. If you liked this episode, it would make my day to hear about it. Please don't hesitate to share your thoughts on Instagram and tag me at Gina Galliotto or shoot me a DM letting me know so I can continue sharing episodes you love. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the Social Spectrum podcast and leave a five-star review so we can stay in each other's worlds. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Until next time, friend.